Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 186. And as always, the Red and White Authority is brought to you by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always a great way to unwind at the end of the day with an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue. But we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly and let's bring in our guest uh, no stranger to the red and white authority he's been on many many times this may be the first time though that he has been on where i have to refer to him as former red wing but it's former red wing goaltender jimmy howard now currently of bally sports detroit and let's bring jimmy in jimmy it's always great to catch up with you thanks for doing this hey all right thanks for having me you know uh I guess, first of all, the transition from off the ice, uh, how has that been going for you, especially the uh, TV gig with Bally's? Well, uh, it's been going good. I mean, nobody really gives you a manual on when you retired, like how to go about your life. But, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to be able to have a short stint working with gold stars so that, you know, that kept me busy. And, um, you know, I'm now with Bally's, which is a lot harder than it looks. A lot harder. I give those guys a lot of props to be able to to be able to look in the screen and, you know, articulate what they need to say in a manner of fashion to, where people actually understand it, what they're talking about. I give Oz a lot of props because half the time I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I know when you guys are in the room, when you're back taking you back to your playing days and you're sitting there and, you know, like the media trounces in and, you know, I, I'm sure you make, uh, uh, you, you, you know, you have opinions of each one of us back then. Uh, do you have a little more respect for the, your medium brothers uh, now that you're on uh, like, like our side of the coin? Oh, I definitely do. It's to be, like just to be able to look at, like I said, to look into the TV camera and still have to talk. That's something like, yes, are the cameras on us when, you know, we're doing post-game interviews and stuff like that, but you're not really speaking to the camera. You're still speaking to the people that are in front of you. Right, right. Right? right? Like, right. it's, uh, like, and you're not coming up with the questions. You're being asked the questions. So, yes, I've, I have a lot to learn. So anyone who's listening to this, yeah. If you're watching, just bear with me for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, hey, but, you know, I, I, you know, obviously, Jimmy, you know, we, we've gotten along very, very well over the years. And, you know, and, you know, uh, I, I've always seemed to, uh, you know, gravitate to the goaltenders when I walk into the room just because it's such a unique position in all of professional sports, regardless of, uh, of the sport itself. You know, the last line of defense. Uh, you're one of the very few athletes, except if I guess if a goalie's pulled, that play the entire game, uh, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. But uh, I, I, I'm kind of uh, uh, looking when you look at it, and and you're still learning the game. Do you try to give insight? Obviously, you draw upon your playing days, but. Yeah. For what a player is going through, or do you have to be a little more analytical and look at the game and kind of describe what's going on in front of you, but not from your perspective of a player? Hopefully that makes sense. It, it may not, actually. 
I think it's a little bit of both because you need to you need to explain, you know, what's or why something happened out on the ice, but also, um, you know, having, you know, the career that the three of us have, have had, like, you know, drawing on that, excuse me, four of us, Mickey too. Yeah. Um, the four of us have had is, is, you know, it's crucial because we've, we've been in the trenches. We've been, you know, in those moments where, you know, nothing's going right. We've been in those moments where everything's going right. It's like we can't do anything wrong. So it's, um, you know, it's some, you know, those are aspects that you can pull from, from your playing career. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when you look at it, you have Mickey and, you know, I remember when uh, Frank Mahovlich was traded to the Montreal Canadiens in the Mickey Redmond deal, uh, you know, who's a long-established, legendary broadcaster and hockey player here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Then you have Larry Murphy, obviously a Hall of Famer, uh, really at being traded uh uh, from the Leafs to Detroit kind of revived his career in a way. Things weren't going well in Toronto. It's well documented. You know, I've talked it over with Merv. And then you have you and uh, Chris Osgood, you and Ozzy together, who are beloved Red Wing goaltenders, uh, who have are very, very accomplished, number two and three respectively in total career wins for uh, this franchise, which is a historic franchise, an original six. I, I Do you find with that group, that it makes it a little bit easier for you because they've all had to go through what you had to go through, which is acclimating yourself to the broadcast booth. Yeah. I mean, everyone, you know, like everyone just says, like, be yourself, be yourself. It's easier said than done. But that, I mean, the one thing that they both, you know, actually everyone, everyone at Bally's has been so awesome to work with. Everyone is always like, it's always worse in your own mind than it actually looks or how you're performing. So that, that part has helped me out now. You know, I think I'm on the late games for this trip for a reason, just to get my feet wet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, when these games end at like one o'clock in the morning, you know, not many Detroiters are still going to be up, especially depending on what the score is, but, uh, but you'll be there plugging away. So you, I, yeah. I, I assume you'll be in the studio in Southfield then. I'll be in the studio this, uh, yeah. For this road trip, Oz, Oz got to go on the trip. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. He told me, uh, uh, I, 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 I when you're, uh, what's it like? Cause John Keating and I love John. It, it seems to be a little bit of a wild card where you never know exactly where he's going or is he telling you, Hey, I'm, get ready for one of my Keatingisms, I guess is what I will say, because sometimes he just, I just look at him and just say, Whoa, where did that come from? In a good way, though. But, I mean, how, how's it working with John? <laughs> He's the best. I love that, man. Uh, but, you do, but you don't know when one of those are coming. So when you see our reactions when we're sitting there, <clears throat> whether we're in studio or we're at the arena, it, it truly is sometimes shocking off. Yeah, well, were you? What? Uh... <laughs> what? You're kind of just like, what was that? Like his clown car one last night explaining the Red Wings, uh, or not the Red Wings, excuse me, the Rangers' uh, father's trip. (laughs) With the amount of goals that were scored in the third period. I was like, where did he get that from? Oh, you know what's really odd about that? 
I did not realize, you know, being in the arena doing game day live, I, when I was leaving the arena, there were all these gentlemen, you know, um, middle-aged gentlemen, let's put it that way, all in Rangers jerseys at the elevator. And, they're, and they were like laughing and going, you didn't expect to see us, huh? And I go, well, you know, what the hell? I had a lot of Ranger fans. Until you just told me. I didn't know that was... Uh, uh, that it was the father's trip, you know, that, that they were, that, because I'm thinking to myself, what is this? Is this the Rangers alumni team playing the Red Wings alum or something? What's, what's going on here? I mean, there were, you know, obviously there were like 30 guys dressed in, uh, in, you know, and, and it was the Broadway blues. It was their home Jersey too. I mean, they, you know, uh, but it was their dads. They were really nice. Well, obviously their team just won, you know, their boys just, uh, won eight to two. That that blue jersey for the Rangers, it's just a classic. Oh, you know, it it, it really is one of my all time. I mean, I I like all the original. Six all the jerseys. original six are are top notch. Right, right, but you know, there is something about the Rangers Rangers uh, 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 jersey that I really like. I remember when uh, you know being a little kid, and you know, we had the uh, the, the the ice hockey game. Uh, where you would, uh, you know, the, it's not like it is today, you know, I forget what you call it, but, you know, it went up and down and, you know, the goalie could only move side to side and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, bubble hockey? Yeah, well, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was before bubble hockey. There was a name for it. It was, you know. Table hockey? Yeah, table hockey. I mean, people people know what I'm talking about, you know, and yeah. it was always usually Montreal and Toronto. They were like little tin guys that just yeah. kind of stood yeah. there and, uh, well, we used to have a league every year, me and my buddies, like, you know, five or six of us. And we would always have to pick, uh, uh, team names and no one could be the Red Wings, you know, no one could be the Red Wings unless there were six of us, I guess. Then we had a draw, but I was always the Rangers because I liked their, because I liked that Jersey so much. Uh, well, I have a, I have a soft spot for it because I was a New York boy growing up. You know, I, I, I mean, it's well documented who my favorite player was growing up. Right. Mike Richter. So yeah, special place in my heart for those uh, for those jerseys. Well, speaking of which, a special place in your heart, also a special place when you got on the ice against the uh, the Rangers, because I, I I would imagine those games must have meant more to you because we were talking about it last night. Uh, you know the the games that you had against Henrik Lundqvist are are kind of legendary in this series. I mean, you guys just did not give up many goals, each of you. Well, that's because I was playing against one of the best in the world at the time, if not the best in the world at the time. You couldn't afford to give up a goal because you knew he wasn't going to give up many. And, you know, throwing on top of that, being, you know, from upstate New York and, you know, being a huge Rangers fan when I was a little, when I was a little boy, like Madison Square Garden, I, I had always dreamed of going there to just watch a game. I never really thought growing up like I was actually going to be able to play there so uh you know it was always you know it was a young young boy's childhood dream just carried out so that's that's why I think it was like you know I'd always look at the schedule to see when we're in New York uh you know because I always enjoyed playing there not a huge fan of the city <laughs> country boy not a huge fan of new york state but i loved playing at madison square garden 
Right. You know, I, I, I actually love New York City, Jimmy. I, I don't know. But then again, I really, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just... so like, I'm probably going to take black backlash on this, but it's so gross. <laughs> really <laughs> gross. I mean, it's so dirty. Well, I mean, there's like, what, 18 million people or something live there. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously, I mean, uh, you know, human beings are not jungle the... for a reason. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you, man, I, I, I mean, I just love it. I love the vibe. I, I will tell you this. I used to live there. And when I got back visiting my parents one summer, I went uh, out on my front, uh, um, you know, staying at my parents' house or the house I grew up in, uh, sitting on the front porch. And I had been in New York for quite a while at that point. And I remember sitting there and it was the first time that I had complete, and it was at night, silence. It was so quiet because in New York, no matter what time of day or time of year or anything, there's always a hum. I mean, you can hear it. It's like, mm, there's, I, I don't know if it's because it's just so massive in it, you know, the, elect, the, the electronic grid or whatever you're talking about, but it, you know, they say it's a city that never sleeps, and it's true, man. There is always something going on, and I don't know. I kind of like that vibe, but obviously, I didn't grow. You know, I grew up in the Detroit suburbs, so that's a that's a little bit different than uh, growing up where you could literally see Canada from your house, right? Oh yeah, step out the front door to look to my right. There's Canada. <laughs> <laughs> like people, people don't realize how big New York State is. They're like, oh, you're from upstate New York, so you, you know how far from the city. Uh, seven hours. <laughs> I, I, oh God! I never, you know, I never went to New York City until I was a pro. Really? No. What was the biggest city? What was it? Syracuse or the biggest city that you well, went, that you visited as a child? Montreal, Ottawa, oh, Toronto. Right. Of course, you're so close to Canada. How about American yeah. City? I mean. Did, did you go to many American cities or were you just no. uh, really? So you were, so you were just, uh, you know, well, in a way, I mean, I, I, I used to go to, to think Windsor all the time. And I, 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 you know, my joke has always been, I didn't know that, that Windsor or Canada wasn't part, like the 51st state until I was like 13. Uh, you know, <laughs> I used to visit it so much, but wow. I mean, we were there. I mean, we were, in Canada all the time, like growing up and being part of Augensburg minor hockey, like we actually practiced in one of the uh, arenas in Canada, which is, it was like 15 minutes from our house, but it was just on the other side of the border because at the time we only had one rink in the town. Really? No, yeah, I guess I, I told somebody that I said, you know, Jimmy literally could see Canada when he was growing up from his house. And they said, mm -hmm. really? And then they wondered, well, where where was the border? I go. I guess it was right down the street. They go. Well, were there armed guards, or was there a toll booth, or or you know, or was it just an open border where you guys could just no, go back and forth? I mean, this, the the uh, St. Lawrence River separates okay Canada with the U.S. There, so there's a bridge. There's a bridge right there in my hometown. It's like seven minutes from my front door. <laughs> Literally, we go across the bridge another seven minutes, and you're you're to the rink in Cardville. Really? Like it's uh yes, and I'm drawing a blank on who the famous NHL player that is from there <coughs> that used to skate out of there all the time. I, oh God, why am I? I think it was Todd Harvey. Oh really? That's, yeah. 
I think, but don't quote me on that. All right, all right. Don't we quote won't. me on that. We won't, you know. And I, I I'm, think I'm sure, it was. I'm sure the next time you're at the rink, and if we, if you're wrong, someone will correct you. Some fan oh, for will. Sure. Come on, Howard. What are you sure. talking about, Todd Harvey? It was, you know, it was legendary. Uh, it was Larry Murphy, you know, or something. You know, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, sure it was. Uh, but uh, well, that that's great. I mean, I I, I love the fact that uh, uh, that you know you lived your boyhood dream. What I am also curious about. Uh, I would imagine, and you know, you know, I always project myself of, of what it would have been like if I would have been a Red Wing, p- particularly if I would have been a goaltender for the Detroit Red Wings, and I would have played at. Uh, well, I never would have played at Olympia, but uh, uh, Joe Louis Arena, maybe the towards the end of Olympia, I guess, depending. But I would have had a difficult time focusing and not mind tripping back to God. I can't believe I'm really here in the arena that I grew up loving this sport, actually playing professional hockey. Did you have to catch yourself sometimes, especially when you were playing the Rangers, especially at Madison Square Garden that, you know, like you said, I got King Henrik, uh, you know, across the ice here for me. Uh, You know, as great as a feeling as this is, don't go back to little Jimmy Howard, the eight-year-old. You got to be Jimmy Howard, the Detroit Red Wing goaltender. Well, I think I was, my first start. My first start there was actually, believe it or not, a father's trip. So my dad was able to be there too. Really? Yeah. So that was that was pretty pretty surreal. Um, but I was lucky that we had that we had pregame skate. So like we actually, you know, I was able to get that out of my system in pregame skate that morning of skating, stepping out on the ice, looking up, seeing all those, all those names and numbers up there. Just like, but you do that at any original six building, right. but you know, Madison square garden, since it's, it's what they've always played in, yeah. you know, like now it's a little bit different when the bell center, it's cool. You know, the TD garden, it's awesome. You know, seeing all the banners and everything like that, but it, it just doesn't have that nostalgic feel that Madison Square Garden has. Now the Joe had it, right? You know the Joe had it from all those you know successful cup years, but um, you know still when you step into that building, for me, um, you know especially Madison Square Garden, it was yeah, let's go game on. Yeah, did you ever? I, I did you ever? Because you had such epic battles against him, did you ever develop a relationship with Henrik Lundqvist, or maybe even after the game, just like you know, you guys saying, "God, I, I mean, it, was that anybody ever going to score?" Or you know, "Congratulations, you know, what a great game you had." Or is, is there any kind of uh, um, I, I don't know? Uh, you build up almost a camaraderie, I would imagine, especially because there's not many goalies. There's only what, like, I guess, sixty-four of them in the entire National yeah. Hockey League. Uh, to be honest with you, I never really had a conversation with him, you know, face to face until we were in uh, San Jose together at the All-Star game. Really? Yeah. Like that was when we first like really met like off the ice. You, you think, you think with the amount of Swedes we had on our team, right. they might be like, Hey, how I introduce you to the king? Nope. <laughs> Talk about selfish. Eh? Nah, Swedes are... <laughs> 
Swedes are some of the nicest guys in the world. <laughs> but, uh, uh, really? Oh my! So yeah, I, and, you know, and I so... know that you brought your boys there, and that they loved Henrik Lundqvist. Right? It was like he was their favorite player. Oh, they were hanging out with him when he was done playing down in like the uh, the entrance there. Uh, they, yeah, they they thought they owned. The HB Pavilion that weekend, they were, they were out there. They were everywhere. I mean, uh, James James is a little bit more reserved than than Henry, but Henry, I mean, he was striking up conversations with with everyone in the dressing room. And go figure, the one guy that has probably torched me a lot that is now his favorite player is Nikita Kucherov, and that's the number he wears, and that's the, and that's and that's the guy. He talked to the most that weekend. Really, Cooch? Yeah, Cooch. Cooch was awesome with him. I'm like, Cooch, he's bothering you. Like, please, please tell me. He's like, no, man, this is hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, but it was funny. Like back to the um, Henrik Lundqvist story. Like it wasn't like in the dressing room. Yeah, we talked, but it wasn't until we were both in the uh, the lounge with our kids, and his daughters wanted to play. Uh, the new NHL game that was out, like on, I think it was PlayStation or Xbox, you know, one of those gaming systems, and he had no idea how to work it. So James went over and, and helped him turn it on and get it going for his daughters. And so it actually took the kids to get us to actually have a conversation. Really, really, <laughs> that's pretty. That, what was the conversation like? I mean, do you talk goaltending things, or are you just you know like just uh, shooting the breeze? I was just shooting the breeze and, you know, talking about the kids and, and, you know, guys that we know throughout the week. So it wasn't, you know, anything about our battles or, or, or anything like that. It was just two guys talking, two guys chatting. Really? Well, you know, yeah, I, so you probably, probably tell the listeners are probably like, oh, that was so, that's so boring. But <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, well, I think it's interesting because obviously Red Wing fans or hockey fans in general, I mean, the games that you two had against each other were were pretty incredible, though. I mean, I, you know, one nothing scores, 2-1 scores, shootout scores, overtime. I mean, every game you played against the Rangers, I would assume in your career, or almost everyone, was a one-goal game either way. Yeah, I... Yeah, I don't know. That's don't you have the stats pulled up there, Art? Yeah, I, I guess I could. I, I I probably should, but I figure oh, I'm talking to Jimmy. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna freeform it. Uh, no, but I have but no idea. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I could definitely actually pull those up, and we could we could go back to uh, uh, to that in a second here. But uh, you know, I you know your 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 stats against the Rangers were. Uh, were incredible. Um, getting there, how much do you now miss the game? Do you do you miss it? Even though the you know the the position you played was extremely taxing physically and mentally, and you know you're a little older now, of course. I don't miss the training. I don't miss the practices. What I do miss is performing out on the ice for all the fans. And for my teammates and for the organization, the city of Detroit, and all the, uh, you know, the Red Wing feds throughout the world, I, I miss that like crazy. But I do not miss all the uh, 
Oh, I guess I, you know, there's one thing that I do miss. I do miss getting on the plane with the boys and having my own hotel room. Really? Yeah. Like I should have. Oh, yeah. What would I do right now for my own hotel room? Having four, four kids. Really? So I've got, I've got what your career record against the Rangers was. I can hear you typing. It was 10, 5, and 3 in 18 games. Your goals against was 2.02, and your save percentage was 941. That's pretty damn good. Jeez. If I would have just played against the Rangers, I'd be going in the Hall of Fame this weekend. Well, you, you, you certainly would be. <laughs> you certainly would be. You, we would be talking about your uh, – uh, you gave up 37 goals, and you faced 630 shots against them in your career. That's pretty. I guess that's pretty good. And you played eleven hundred exactly eleven hundred minutes against them. <laughs> that's crazy that that worked out. Like right. Yep. Yeah, you made you made six hundred and thirty shots and you made five hundred and ninety three saves. It's pretty good. You're able to look that up. I've got every game you ever played against them. I mean, you had a pretty oh. good winning streak. You won your first time out against them. The goal. Look, this is the goal totals you gave up against them. One, two, three, one, three, two, one, 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 two, one, two, 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 two. and then the last couple were four and four. But uh, you know, hey, uh, we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna cut you some slack on that one, Jimmy. <laughs> you know what wasn't in there? It was a zero. Gosh darn it. Well, you know what? Okay, you maybe didn't have a shutout, but uh, again, a 941 save percentage and 2.02 goals against is uh, it doesn't get much better than that. And you know, and and, and you know, it may, it makes sense though. I mean, the team that, that that you followed. Now, speaking of which, let's uh, let's talk about uh, um, your uh, you know your career here at Bally's. You're going to be on. On the West Coast trip, you're doing the games, which yeah. is which I'm looking forward to. So that means uh, beginning, uh, I would assume, Saturday night, even though, depending on when people hear this, this game could pass. We're doing this on uh, uh, Friday morning on uh, Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, and thank you for your service to everyone listening out yes, there. Yes, thank veterans. you so much. Yeah, without question, uh, uh, November 11th, obviously. But uh, so you're doing every night game. So you're gonna be you're gonna be on in in the pregame. At like nine o'clock or ten o'clock on Saturday, and then uh, in between periods, and then the post game for every West Coast game. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I'm not going to fall asleep. Like my bedtime's like ten o'clock, ten thirty oh, at the man. latest start. Man, this is when man. these bad boys are starting. I'm like dreading. Like I'm, I'm like, geez, am I going to have to have a coffee during the first period? And then when I get home, I'm going to be wide awake. Yeah. See, this is why, you know, my whole life I've covered games, you know, essentially. And so after a game's over, when you guys get in your car and drive home, I'm, you know, still working, you know, either cutting mm -hmm. up tape or writing stories or doing whatever. So by the time I would get home, which was usually between 1230 and one, uh, I couldn't go to sleep till like three. I till this day, Jimmy, I don't fall asleep till 3 a.m., 330. Jesus, what are you a night owl? I am. I'm definitely a night owl. I, yeah, I, 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 if you're ever, if you're ever in insomnia and you can't sleep at night, just give me a call because chances are I'm awake and I can tell you uh, what's good at nighttime television. 
<laughs> I I know all of it. Uh, but uh, but anyway, let's. Uh, well, with that, and, and everything's going well at Bally's, and you're with a good uh, with a good crew. What is it lo- like working with Chris Osgood? And do you cross paths that much? Because, I mean, you know. Ozzy's a, a, a tough nut to crack in a way. I mean, it, it's tough to figure him out, but he has gotten considerably better than when he started. And is that what I would assume everyone is telling you? And I know you alluded to it earlier is that, hey, it might be rough in the beginning because you're still getting your feet wet. But once you get in a groove, you're going to be fine. Yeah, and that's what and that's what Chris, you know, has explained to me as well. Like, have we crossed paths? Come on, our, our boys play on the same minor hockey team i'm with this guy constantly i can't shake him <laughs> like it's my phone i'm surprised i haven't gotten a phone call from him yet today about this trip because he's going to be working all the west you know he'll be live at the games doing the color with ken so after the games and post games it'll be hey but i you know pretty much hot stoving it there with keating if keating's still awake so um yeah like he's it's like it's like the mentorship started all over again it's like he had to mentor me at first when i first came in the league and now it's about it's like you gotta catch on here fast i need you to take my job again like that's his going line right now like how i need you to take my job again come on <laughs> well, you, you know what I love about him, and I've told you this too. When I would be out with Chris over the years, his phone would ring a lot, but at least one of those phone calls was always from you. Uh, it would be Jimmy, and he'd look at it and go, "Yeah, it's Jimmy calling me. Maybe I'll answer it." No, no, like that's that's so fault. <laughs> it's probably usually me returning his call because. He calls me so much throughout the day because he's, because if he's in a spot out in public and he doesn't want to talk to anyone, he does the fake phone call. Oh, really? You know, but then, yeah. But like, if he doesn't want to talk to anyone, he'll just, he'll call me or he'll call like one of our mutual friends. Well, if you do pick up, he like hangs up right away because he doesn't want to talk, but he doesn't want to be bothered in public. <laughs> he's an odd duck like like when it comes to that like, you know he's what I, famous for it like he's famous for it he does it he does it now in the rinks like when we're together with our with our boys like all of a sudden if he's in the lobby and he, all of a sudden the, if you know people you know start coming up to him and he's starting to feel uncomfortable or you can see that he's getting agitated like phone goes straight to the ear there's nobody on the there's nobody on the other end. Or the air, AirPods go in. Right. Oh, and he still and he still has this is how bad he is with technology. He still has the ones with the cord. Oh, so really? like as he's trying as he's trying to hold on to his phone, now he's untangling the cords. Like it's just it's a hot mess. It's just an absolute hot mess what <laughs> sometimes watching him. You know what I love? Every time I get a call from him. He doesn't say hello. He just, he goes right into conversation. He'll go, uh, Arthur, uh, how you doing? What's going on? Uh, and, and it's like, Chris, you just called me. I mean, I'm just kind of, sort of sitting here. <laughs> you, know, yeah. I, you know, and he's like, yeah, well, 
so so what do you think of what do you think of the goalies what do you what do you think of the red wings what, what's going what are you hearing and it's like i thought hearing very much you know and it's just it's always the same with him and then once he starts talking now it's very difficult to get him to stop talking he just goes yeah. on he gets on yeah, tangents ours like we don't like do we talk about the nhl eh, maybe ours is all about this 2011 Little Caesars team. Oh well, yeah, well, yeah, that well, that would make uh, that well, that would make sense. You guys are completely, obviously, invested in that, and uh, he does talk to me about that a lot, though, too. He he does, uh, you know, he he tells me all about it. But uh, well, well, that's good. So it seems that maybe Ozzy's a fairly good mentor, and he's begging you to take his job. But uh, uh, I would Again. imagine, I guess, if you really want to <laughs> get to the crux of what's really going on, do you actually? rely on Murph more than Ozzy. <laughs> I rely on myself. That's the best. Like, yeah, like I, like I try to, I don't know, I try to watch as many games as possible so I know I'm in the know, but I like these new start times at home at 7 o'clock, but I also disapprove of them. Four kids, like when I'm in the house, like, I can't always have my full attention, you know, on the game, which, so I got by myself, I got to rewatch them, which is, which is fine, but, uh, but I'd rather do it live. But the one thing, you know, with Bailey's that I'm finding myself now that I'm, you know, with them, I find myself watching the pregames, the, you know, the intermissions and the postgames a lot more intently. And I'm not just talking about Bally's uh, Sports Detroit. I'm talking about all of them, right? Because right. like I'm, I'm a hockey nut. I'm a hockey junkie. I have a serious issue. It's on in my house almost every single night. My wife says hallelujah. I think you know one time, one night a week, where I'm like, uh, let's watch something else. <laughs> I was like, I need a break. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's always on. Like first thing in the morning, I wake up. What goes on? NHL on the fly. You know, some people like to turn on the news. Nope, I'm on NHL on the fly every morning. Well, yeah, well, that's good. You know, I, I find myself, obviously, we're very similar in that way. I mean, I have center ice, and, you know, I love watching, because I am a night owl, I love the, the 1030 starts. You know, I I, you know, I hope the Kings never switch from 730 at night, uh, but because uh, everybody else seems to have switched a little bit lately. But I know exactly what you're talking about, but that's good to watch how other people do it. You know, I, I mean, I yeah. watch their pregames or intermissions, see what I like, what I don't like, what I could incorporate, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, get a pointer or two. You know, you're always evolving and learning in this business. And I think you're always evolving and learning in anything that you choose to do, because if you don't, well, uh, you die, you're right? Done. Exactly. You're, you're that's exactly door, right. They, they're bringing somebody else in and that's, and you touched on that briefly, but that's like, that's, that's life. Right. If you're not willing to, you know, evolve and, and make yourself a more well-rounded, you know, human being and no matter what you're doing, like the higher ups, they're going to replace you. Right. So right. there's no doubt. I, there's, yeah. There's no doubt. All right. Well, oh, let's, like, uh, you know, now I, I want to ask you, I know you brought up your four children, but I do know, I remember when your daughter was born and I told you this in the room on several times, you changed. It was like your heart melted. 
Uh, I would imagine if you're invested in a game and your daughter comes up to you and says, Dad, uh, Jimmy's done for the night. He's not watching that game anymore. All attention's turned to your daughter. Oh, it was in the second period. I'll Fresh example, last night. Second period, she, all of a sudden she comes out her bedroom door and she peeks over the railing and she goes, Dad, can you snuggle me? I'll, I'll be up in a minute. <laughs> I, I, she owns like she owns me and everyone knows and everyone knows it. Everyone in the family, all my all our friends, like my Rachel, my wife, she knows it. Like she owns me. I like if she's doing something wrong, but the boys are also with her, like she doesn't get yelled at. That drives my wife nuts. The boys get yelled at. <laughs> but not Olivia. She's my she's my little baby and uh yeah, she's a major, major soft spot for her. I mean, she's daddy's little girl. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love that about you, but it was tangible, Jimmy. And, you know, and I know I, I'm not going to keep belaboring this, but I knew when Olivia was born, I could just tell, I could see the transition. And it, even, you know, depending, and you were always up front, and I've told you this too many, many times, you know, good game, bad game, whatever. You always spoke. You always had time, uh, bef- you know, after practice and after games. Uh, you were always willing to, uh, uh, y- you know, to, to, to talk. And Well, uh, there was a method to my madness there, Art. There was a method to Really? My well, now, what was, was that? Like, I was like, geez, if I always make myself available, maybe it'll be a little bit easier on me in, in their reports. Or their articles. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, no, no but you know I, what? I mean, In a way, I'm though, there I'm was kidding. a re- you built up respect though among the media because you always did speak, regardless of the situation. It's part of the gig. Like you have to. Like there's there's no hiding from it. I mean, geez, you let up a bad goal. 20,000 people in the building know you just let up a bad goal with these new, you know, new massive screens they have at center ice now, now jumbotrons and you know everyone sees it on replay watching at home so there's no hiding from it so you might as well just go up there face it you know for the five six minutes you're standing in front of the media scrum and then it's over with that's how i always viewed it like just get it out of the way and then it's done it's over with and you can move on you, you, you know, you're, you, 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 you figured it out early on because I can't tell you how many Red Wing players and some of them who had, uh, uh, shall we say, incredible careers that they would, you know, I knew that they did not like talking to the media, especially after a game, regardless of what happened out on the ice. And I would always say, look, you know, the more you keep everyone waiting, because you, you, you eventually are going to have to talk, uh, you know, I go, they don't want to be there either. They don't want to wait. They're under deadline. A lot of them, they just want to get in, yeah. get the quotes and get out. I said, so you should be ready and available from the beginning and just get it out. And chances are it won't be as long as you think it's going to be, especially if you're out there early. And, uh, you know, eventually a couple of them, and I won't name them, kind of got onto that. And then towards the end of their career, they were always available, you know, but that's the way yeah. to do it. I mean, take, like, at the end of his career, I'll mention names because I noticed it because it took me forever to get undressed, was Henrik Lundqvist. Like, if he, the media scrum was not, or all the reporters were not in there, he would go up in front of the screen and he'd just stand there and wait patiently. 
Oh, right, 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 he, right. Like, he, he knew, like, he had to speak. And he made himself, you know, readily available as soon as you guys got there. Uh, I think he did it in another, you know, just being also a great guy and a great captain because it allowed other guys, maybe if they needed a second to step away, collect their thoughts before, you know, they had to jump in there. Right. So well, you know that's what I, just, that's no. the example that I saw. Well, you know what I always remember about Zetterberg was his red socks. He oh, always wore these red soccer. Yeah, yeah he always Adidas. wore those red Adidas. socks with the white white band around yeah. the top of them. I mean, from They're, the time he was a rookie with the Red Wings till the day you know he he ended up unfortunately have to ret- retire prematurely because of uh, the back issue. But uh, he always those red socks, and I would always look at him. And I'd just shake my head. He goes, you love my socks, don't you? I go, oh, yeah, they're classic. They're just classic. There were soccer socks. I don't know if people out there, but, you know, like soccer socks, like, yeah. I go over their shin guards, but that's what he wore. But I thought, like, I was like, after a couple of years, I was like, I'm going to be cool. Like, see, I'm going to wear them as well. Well, you know what happens to those socks? Like, when they, they get wet over and over again, they become so hard on the bottom. Really? So was, yeah. So I was like, I'm done wearing these. Really? Well, he wore. Yeah, they just weren't comfortable. He wore them all the time. He definitely wore them all the time. Uh, let's let's look at the uh, current situation, uh, the Red Wing goaltending situation. Um, uh, you know, Vili Huso and obviously uh, uh, Alex Nadalkovich, both of them. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's been kind of a mixed bag. I would assume for both, but at this point. Uh, uh, Huso has gotten uh, at least a majority of the work lately. Nine games played. He's 5-2-1. and one. Uh, he, uh, His goals against is 2.54. Save percentage of 920. He has a couple of shutouts. Uh, obviously, last night, you know, uh, giving up. Yeah, last, night, last night really put a damper on those stats. Like, he was number two in the league for, you know, the, the stats you want to be in for a goalie. Like yeah. before last night's, but it just chalked it up. It wasn't even it wasn't even a bad game. It was just a period. It was a stretch of like five minutes. Yeah, I bet you. Yeah, I'll go ahead. No, I was gonna say because you know last night they, the the third goal that he gave up when it was two two when uh, 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 I, I I I almost think it was like an Adam, Adam pass bounced off the board went to Fox and he drilled it home. Uh, yeah. you know, Dylan was saying, well, that's, uh, you know, usually we block that shot. It doesn't get through. And this time it did. And it went in and, uh, Derek Lalone, the Red Wing coach, you know, known as Newsy said that Huso was sitting in his stall steaming about that third goal that he should have had it. And that, you know, he's so competitive. He couldn't let that goal go. He didn't care about, you know, the way the game went, you know, he, in his own mind, he thought that it, it, it sounded like, and I'm not trying to put thoughts into, into their minds, that Huso thought that changed the game. If I make that save, we don't lose 8-2. to two. It's all on me. Whereas Dylan and Derek were saying that's not the case, but is that a goalie mindset? Can you identify with what Huso was going through at that point? Absolutely can I identify it. Listen, we're human, right? Right. There's going to be human error in the game. The game of hockey is an imperfect game. It's all about mistakes. It's who can limit their mistakes 
the most. The, the, and I, and I, I would tell that to, you know, a professional goalie. I would tell that to an 11 year old, right? Like there's, right. there's no such thing as playing a perfect game. Even, even when you get a shutout and everything, like everyone's like, that's a perfect game. Like it may not be, might've hit two posts, maybe a crossbar. You, you know, you just had lady luck on your side that night. Right. You know, an inch right. here, an inch there, like it's a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, we all have those moments where we're like, oh my God, I should have had that. Right. Right. I should have had that. Like how did, how does that go in from there? Well, you but it's just it, no. Go ahead, Jimmy. I, I personally, I personally like it can go either way, right? And last night, like, unfortunately, it went it went the wrong way there. You know, it just sort of opened up the dams, and you know, within a couple of moments, the the game was over. So, uh, he's been playing. He's been playing so well for for those guys and you know the team that uh it was it just wasn't it wasn't fun to watch that last night for him now as a goaltender and you know and this is obviously Derek Lalone's call and I don't I'm even sure... think I answered your question no 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 but, but but I guess what I'm asking is is that you know because Alex Nadalkovich seemed to be the road goalie lately and when the Red Wings were having some on ice meltdowns as a team he seemed to be in net I mean his stats obviously five games played he's 2-2 two, two, and uh 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 uh, his goals against is 4.34, save percentage of 880. Uh, ha- doesn't have a shutout yet, but, you know, he was great in New York at Madison Square Garden last Sunday. And, you know, obviously Ned has shown, uh, you know, his ability too. Uh, now, after a game like last night, though, w- you know Huso is eager to get back in net. And you know that if you're following some sort of goalie rate rotation, it kind of looks like maybe Ned's the next guy up. But... How do you think that happens? Do you think that maybe would would you be not surprised to see Huso start in net Saturday night in L.A.? No, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I always knew, like, after a bad outing, I wanted to get right back out there. Right. Right, because it's just a way to, you know, rectify everything that went wrong. But, I, Art, that's a great question. We're not sitting in the room. We have no idea what uh, – what Tang's uh, uh, Booner and, and Newsy are talking about in there. So, and you know, Alex Wessel and the goalie coach. So, I, I don't know what you know what kind of system ro- goalie rotation they seem to be you know running here. It seems to be more right now. It seems to look more like a clear cut one and two. Right. Right. Like right. from the outside looking in, that's what. It, that's what it appears to be. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Huso back between the pipes here um, Saturday night. Uh, you know, now, but I, I look at the Red Wing goaltender, and both of them are, you know, relatively young in, as, as far as goaltending age. And, you know, obviously I know you can identify with that after, you know, being a Grand Rapids Griffin for, what, four seasons or something. So, uh, and both of these guys have had interesting journeys into the NHL. Uh, both of them have had <laughs> exceptional seasons and then had to follow it up. Ned last year on a team that was a lot different than uh, uh, than the team Carolina. that he was used to in Carolina. It's one of the best teams in the league. Uh, uh, 
Uh, and, and, you know, Huso obviously playing with the St. Louis Blues, also an, a very accomplished team. Uh, how mm-hmm. do you like this tandem of goaltenders, even though Ned, last year of his deal, probably feels like, hey, I got to get in there. I got, you know, I've got to, you know, show my worth. But it seems to be a good tandem. I think they get along very, very well. Uh, you know, you, you sit right next to them, uh, you know, and I know you always got along well with your goaltending partner, but how, you know, assess the Red Wing goaltending at this point, and also a second part of this question, and I know, Jimmy, you're used to me, so you know my questions can ramble on for days, uh, but um, how important is it to get along with your partner, even though you're in a, shall I say, friendly competition with your uh, goaltending mate? Wait, you just answered your second question. Yep. I did? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's a friendly competition, and you're out there, you're pushing each other, you're learning from each other. You just pretty much answered it. How's the relationship? So how's the goal? I mean, it's good. I mean, obviously, you know, Ned's gotten off to a slow start, but they still have been able to get points when Ned's in in the net. Right, so right. that's first. That's first and foremost. Is you know he is he's still he's two two and one, right? Yep, yep, two two and one. Yeah, so he's gotten five. You know, five points in the five games he's you know played, and you know Husel is obviously carrying the bulk of the now right now with, uh, and he's been great up until you know a five minute stretch with the. Uh, in the third period against the Rangers. So both of them, you know, like obviously with Ned having that great game against the Rangers, uh, you know, last week, uh, that's something for Ned to build on. And I'm, and I know, and I know Ned, he's probably so eager to get out there and, uh, you, you know, and play again. So that's where, that's where it becomes, you know, important because I've been in, been in both their situations where I was, playing the bulk of the games and also where, you know, I started the season as, you know, the number two. And when that happens, like your practices almost, you know, turn into your games to keep yourself mentally shut down. Does it fully replace game time? No, but it allowed like in those, those practices for Ned, like right now, like they're extremely important to keep yourself sharp, you know, work on stuff that, uh, you know, basically work on your, your the foundation of your game. So when you're out there, you know you're ready. You know you put in the time, and you're ready to compete. And with you know, right now with Huso, it's like he's chomping at the bit to get right back out there. You know, this weekend to you know just erase what just happened against the Rangers. So um, it's I think it's you know healthy. They're both great guys. I've met I've met them both. Um, and know them both, I guess now I can say. And they, you know, you can see that, that they're going to push each other. You know, I'm down now that my oldest boy is playing Little Caesars, I'm down at the Belfort now a lot more than when I first retired. So you see, every once in a while, you see those guys out there, uh, you know, skating with each other. You can see that they're enjoying each other's company and, and you know, bouncing stuff off each other, and as 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 a head coach and as you know the the goalie coach, that's what you, that's what you want to see. You want to see that camaraderie, but also both of them pushing themselves to want to want to be in the net. You know, I will say this, I, and I think this might be kind of unique 
in the Red Wing room, and I'm sure there's other teams like this because I can I know that talking to the um, other teams' media, they would tell me that depending, I guess, on the goaltender, but there were a lot of like established veteran goaltenders who would not be all that great towards their partner who <laughs> would not be, you know, let's go out for a brew at, you know, if we're on the road or have dinner together or, or even share practice uh, techniques or anything together. I mean, but, but maybe that was, you know, years ago that maybe it's the, the game has evolved uh, yeah. to the point of where, you know, you guys realize that. No, the game has evolved to the point where you need two goaltenders. You have to have two goaltenders. There's no such thing as going out on the West Coast swing and having an easy road trip anymore. Like they did back in the day. Right. Like you, like there's so much parity throughout the NHL that you need to have both guys kicking or it's going to make for a very, very long season. Yeah. I, I, you must be right because I, I mean, I never saw that. I never saw that in the Red Ring room friction between uh, goaltending partners. No, I mean, I, I was very fortunate where I got to learn, you know, from good guys, like right away, Nanny and Chris took me under their wing right away. Like I started, you know, my first year off with the wings because Chris got hurt in training camp. So Manny was great to me. And then I got Ozzy who was great to me. Dom was great to me. Dom loved whenever I was with Dom on the, on the road, Dom loved taking me to baseball games. Why? I have no idea. At the time, I didn't want to go, but it was Dom, and I knew I had to go. <laughs> so, Hashik, was he a baseball fan? Loved baseball. Really? Loved going to the different parks. Loved it. Loved it. Really? Yeah, you know, I oh, never yeah. knew that till you just said that. He, lo- yeah, he loves baseball. He loved going to different parks. He'd collect those little mini bats. <laughs> really? Yeah, he was. I mean, so I got to learn from all these guys and and watch them. These guys, you know, they're great. Like Hall of Famer Ozzy, who should be in the Hall of Famer. Ozzy Manny had an unbelievable career for himself. What he paved out for himself. Like I got to learn, and then you know, I had great partners over the years as well that made it. You know. You know, easier on myself to to enjoy being, you know, where you are. Because I guarantee that doesn't happen everywhere. No, I mean, really, I always thought it was unique because you guys really did, you know, everybody seemed to, you know, be on the same page to say the least. Let's, uh, uh, which is great news. And uh, so I know that you're encouraged by the goaltending re- uh, situation. I, I, I don't want to put more words in your mouth, but when you look at this trip, this is the first long trip that the Red Wings have been on. It's a really weird schedule. It's really loaded with a lot of home games uh, from here on out or our homestand, and then they're on the road for what seems like uh, a week or so. But L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, then Columbus – uh, then they get a couple of ga- d- days off. The next time the Red Wings are at home, it's November 23rd. 
against the Nashville Predators the day before, and I will say this, American that, Thanksgiving. Uh, but, that uh, classic Thanksgiving night. Yes, yes, yes. I it, mean, everyone, everyone's sober in the crowd there. Oh yeah, it well, you know, it's <laughs> you know, it's it's a, it's a really it's a real festive environment to say the least, yes, you know. Yes, it is. You know, I mean, you know, dad has a few beers in him. Uh, you know, mom might have her big uh, big daiquiri or whatever those things are and and the kids are all loaded up on sugar. It's just a wonderful environment. No, it is actually great though. And Nashville's always a good opponent that long history with the Red Wings. So, uh, uh, but think, then they have another long guys- home Pardon me, Jimmy? I think these guys are probably chomping at the bit for this road trip. There's one thing. It's, yes, is it nice playing in the East? The travel is a little bit easier on your body. But you don't you don't get a lot of these, these long road trips than when we played in the West, when we were still in the Western Conference. Like, I bet you these guys are chomping at the bit just to get out and just to be a team, right? right. Team, go to Go to dinner, you know, just the guys, like, yeah, like they're probably chomping at the bit because they haven't ha- had that. You know, we're over a month into the season now, and they haven't had that opportunity. Well, yeah, I, I mean, they must be the last team in the NHL East Coast or uh, Eastern Conference team to have a long West Coast road trip. I mean, everybody else just through you know because of center ice. I you know it, it seems like everybody else in their division has been out west. I could be mm-hmm. wrong, but it's it's nuts. But uh, yeah, with that said, I mean, should we not read too much into this that this could be a make-or-break trip for the Red Wings or we'll really get an idea of what kind of team they're really going to turn out to be because now they are going to be on the road for a long period of time? I think they're going to have a successful trip with what just happened transpired in the third period of you know the Rangers game. I, I think these guys, you know, they haven't had the opportunity – of uh, being on the road for a stretch of time just by themselves and just being the coaches in the room, the players in the room, and just going to work together. Um, you know, I think the key is just going out there, you know, out west this week for them and playing a simple hockey game. You don't need the flash and dash. You're not you're not trying to impress the home fans or anything like that. Just go out there. Go out there. If you need to muck it up one night, you know, muck it up. Like, it's... I think it's just, you know, this this sets up perfectly for them, you know, going out west with what just transpired in the third period here. When you, when you look at this Red Wing team, it was something interesting Dylan said. And I know that they've had injuries, but he said after the, the Rangers game that, hey, look, this is a whole new team in here right now, meaning that we're still trying to make adjustments. Yet, I have been rather pleasantly surprised at what seems like to be a, a seamless transition from coaching staffs. And I believe Steve um, retooled like a third of this roster, like eight new players were, 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 were mm-hmm. on this roster. And, and you know, and, and uh, 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 Soderbloom and, uh, uh, or Soderbloom and, uh, you know, and now uh, Berggren, whom I really like, uh, you, you know, they, they seem to have some young talent coming up. I mean, I, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing despite – well, you know what occurred on the ice against the Rangers. Oh, absolutely! I mean, to turn over a three-year team like eight players—that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, that Kubalik signing has been unbelievable for them. Peron has been great for them. Andrew Kopp is 
starting to get going here. You know, like Huso and that, like th- th- that's a lot of changes to right. you know for for a team to come together as fast as they have and to get off to the start that they have has been has been awesome to see. Um, like, and especially with these young guys, like it seems like they've done the Red Wings brass. You know, Steve Korkov, Drapes. All those guys that are involved in this, you know, they've they've got the right type of talent down in GR two. Where if the guy, you know, someone gets called up, you're able to slot them in, and nothing really is nothing really changes. Yeah, it, it definitely. Uh, you know, with with all that said, I, I want to ask you about a couple of the youngsters that really kind of came on the scene. Uh, and then we probably should wrap this up. Uh, you know, we won't do a, a two and a half hour podcast like we I think we've done in the past. But, uh, uh, you know, you're a goaltender. When you see a guy like Moritz Sider or Mo Sider, is, uh, he's affectionately known here in the Motor City. When you see Mo out there doing what he's able to do at 21 years old, how impressive is that? And what is your opinion of that young defender? He's going to be special. Simple as that. Like, he's going to be such a special player. And, you know, the fans and the organization, they already are excited about him. They love the kid, right? Right. Everyone loves this kid. And he's got – and the one thing is I think that sets him – you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Sets a well, – Sets him apart from – Yes, there we go sets him apart from like other young kids is that he has such an infectious personality. Oh, definitely. Like the, he has got a smile on his face every single day. He's just, he's just a happy go lucky kid. And that's one thing that I noticed from when his first training camp was like, oh, this, you know, it's somebody, it's somebody that you want to hang out with. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I, and then you see him on the ice in the way he doesn't shy away from anything, right? Like he's in, he'll play in your face and it doesn't matter who it is. It could be Sidney Crosby. It could be Connor McDavid. He's not afraid to go out there and match up and be in their faces. And that's, that's great to see because, you know, he plays on the edge, but he plays the game the right way. You know, I went up to him the other day and, you know, I, I have a tendency to ask, you know, sometimes off the wall questions. And I, I, I said to him, no. I, said, <laughs> I said, Mo, I, I don't know how it's done in Germany. I go, but in Sweden, you know, that if you do something extraordinary like Nick did, you're on a postage stamp. Here in the United States, I believe it's still this way. You have to be dead before they'll put you on a postage stamp. So that's not cool. I said, are you hoping someday to be on a postage stamp in Germany? Do you know how that works? And he looks at me and he goes, you know, Art, he goes, I really haven't thought about being on a postage stamp. <laughs> and I go, well, maybe it's something you should aspire to. He goes, I'll, he goes, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. But he was laughing about it. But, I mean, what I like about him and a lot of you fellas in general is that I can go up there and ask that kind of question. But I only do it because... I have so much respect for athletes, and I know the pressure that all of you are under because it's, you know, everyone says, well, they just play a game and they're, you know, they, they make a great living at it. Yeah, they do, but trust me, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. And for you guys to be able to oh, there's filter. There's so much, there's so much more that goes into than, yeah, yes. Do we play a game? Do we, 
live a great life. Yes. But growing, like growing up, like I sacrificed a lot to be able to get to where I was. And the same thing with all these, these guys, like how many, you know, friends, birthday parties I've missed or school dances or, you know, all, all the stuff that, you know, like maybe, you know, spring breaks and, and stuff like that. Like, that, all that stuff went on hold because I was, you know, one track mind. Like I, I wanted, I wanted to make it as far as I could in hockey. And like, yes, at the end, do you get, you know, you make a wonderful living, and you, you do get to play a game. But there's a lot of hours. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that gets put in. You know, both by yourself and your parents to be able to, you know, enjoy this wonderful game that uh, we all love. Well, you know, I couldn't agree more. I always tell people, and I'm really not joking. I say, you know, during the hockey season, I'm pretty unreliable because the only thing I don't do for the Detroit Red Wings is play for them, unfortunately. But it's because their schedule is my schedule to a certain degree. And you're right. There is no such thing as a holiday for the most part. Now that they're written into maybe the CBA, uh, you know, weekends are all shot. You know what I mean? If, you know, uh, you do end up missing a lot of things yet the passion that you have for playing the game and the passion that I have for the game itself and covering it, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I've always said it. And, you know, in my aspect, it still beats working for a living. What I do. I mean, you guys definitely athletes definitely are working, but you know, for me, I mean, I just sit there and, you know, watch you guys play and then comment on it. But yet I still have to be there, but it's a, you know, it's a great life. But it's not as easy as it seems, I guess, is what we're talking about. Oh, come on, Art. Every, every once in a while, be honest with me. Every once in a while, you're driving down there. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to another hockey arena. Or I'm <laughs> going to the rink. To, I, you've thought that before. Because even I've thought it before. Being like, oh, my God, really? i got to drive back down here again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, that has crossed my mind. I'll, I'll give you an idea. Many years ago, when I still lived in Ann Arbor, I was, uh, I would drive sometimes, usually I would take M14 and 96, but for some reason I was driving down 94 and, you know, let's just say that, and this is, I was a much younger man and I'm thinking, you know, I just wasn't feeling good. Uh, you know, uh, the night before I, I might've, you know, extended the evening a little too much. And so I'm driving down there and I'm going, Oh God, I can't believe that I have to go down to this practice. I can't believe it, man. Ugh. And I was just dreading it. And then I looked on 94 and I saw all these, you know, factory buildings and office buildings as I'm walking and or, or driving. And I said, hey, jackass, what are you complaining about? All you're going to do is go see these clowns on the ice, talk to them, and then talk about it on the radio. You don't even work. I mean, these are the people that are really working. These are the people that have jobs, the people that are in, you know, in, in these factories and in these office buildings. You know, they're really the ones that are, you know, that really are, are, are doing something. All you're doing is, you know, watching hockey players and then BSing about it, you know. And, uh, you know, it always stood with me. And then suddenly... You know, I, I, I really felt, and I still do, I feel fortunate. I feel fortunate to do what I've done. I feel fortunate when somebody as accomplished as you takes time out to, you know, put up with me and, uh, uh, you know, allow me to do my job. And, you know, seriously, I really do. Because I know sometimes I can be kind of a jerk, but, uh, you know. 
is the way it is, I guess. You know, I have to say one more thing to you, Jimmy, then I guess I'll have to wrap it up here. But um, there was one time, it was still Fox Sports Detroit, and, uh, uh, you know, I always had a spot, like, whenever you guys would come out and talk uh, at uh, Little Caesars, uh, right in front of the big screen there, the TV, which you did have actually at uh, Joe Lewis, too. I'd be right there, like right on your, it would be your right. You're right. I was the first guy there, and I remember asking you, you guys had played a great game, the, the entire team, and Jeff Blaschel always said the word process. He was, oh, you loved that word. Yes, he always said process. Loved. So Just I'm asking process, you, process, process. asking you a question. And I said, well, Jimmy, you know, it seemed like the team really had it going tonight. And I go, please forgive me for saying this, but it looks like you really, you know, uh, uh, the process was working. And you looked at me and you started to answer. And I don't know if you remember this. And then you started. I do to remember laugh. this. You I, I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't. I, I, oh, the process. You said, process you, you said that's a good Everything's one, Art. A yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I guess we all started to laugh. But it was so funny because people still still comment to me on that day. Go, remember when you made Howard laugh about process? I go, well, we were all kind of laughing because Jeff Blaschel couldn't get off it. That's all he ever talked no. about was the process. That's all he, that's all he talked about for that whole season. How, like, was the process, the process, the process. Well, you which know. is fine. I mean, which is which is fine, but it was it was just funny to hear it come out of your mouth. <laughs> right. Well, we trust me. We heard it just as much as you in those press conferences. I mean, he, he was always going back to the process. I mean, everybody talked about it. But uh, anyway, Jimmy, I'm really, really happy for you. I mean, you know, I think you're gonna you're gonna knock it out of the park there at Bally's. Uh, you know, you are a stand-up guy. Uh, I've always a- a- admired you. Uh, not only your on-ice talents, but how do you conduct yourself off the ice and. Uh, uh, I really do appreciate you taking time out. I could go on. I know we could, uh, but we'll have you on soon. And eventually we're going to get Kip Chris Osgood to join us on this podcast. And uh, uh, Lord help us. Oh, my us. God. That's a, pipe, that's a pipe dream. An absolute pipe dream. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, it, to it get the, both of us on, to get both of us on at the same time. Actually, I'll make myself, you tell me when and where I'll make myself available if you can track him down. Okay. All right. It, it, it is. It, <laughs> I, I, I will promise it. I'll, everyone's heard me that's listened to the Red and White Authority here. I will make myself available if you can track him down and get him on here. Okay, well, I mean, it, it is a, definitely a challenge. I mean, I don't even think Daniel Boone or whomever could track him down, but uh, <laughs> uh, but, but 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 challenge accepted, and we'll do it again. But Jimmy, best of luck in everything. You know, uh, good luck to uh, to your boys. I know your daughter has your heart and all that, but uh, uh, best of luck in everything that you do, and look forward to seeing you down at the rink and talking to you very very soon. Thanks for joining us. Ah, uh, Art, it's always a pleasure. I enjoy chatting with you, you know, especially about hockey, Red Wings, you know, life in general. And uh, just to clean up what I said earlier, it wasn't Todd Harvey, it was Todd Gill. Todd Gill, okay, Todd Gill, all right. There you go, Todd Gill. Before yeah, everyone I, goes nuts on me. Wasn't Todd Gill a former Red Wing for a while? I don't know, I'll have to look that up. Yep. I remember him just playing for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, well, yeah, he was a long-time Leaf. But I think, you know, there, there, there have been uh, stages in Red Wings' career where, you know, like Daryl Sittler was a Red Wing. Borea Salmi was a Red Wing. You know, not very long, but they were. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a lot of transition oh, yeah. going on, you know. 
I, I, oh, I can't people, tell you. People, people come and go in this business. People come and go. Yes, they definitely do. And uh, but anyway, again, hey Jimmy, uh, you know if I don't see you beforehand, happy American Thanksgiving. And uh, uh, did you, you hey, did you celebrate both? I mean, you were so close to Canada. American and Canadian. I was in Canada. I was, I was in Canada for Canadian Thanksgiving. We had to. I had to take James there for a tourb with us. Really? Well, you know what yeah. I, I love about Canadian Thanksgiving. I love the CFL. I'm a big Toronto Argonauts fan, and every oh Canadian Thanksgiving, the Tiger Cats and Argonauts usually play, and that is that's like Michigan Ohio State or anything. That is a huge rivalry. All right. I'm so choked about American Thanksgiving that I have to drive to Whippy, Ontario because the Buffalo Bills are in town to play the Detroit Lions. Oh, really? Well, they're, yeah. so, they're so close, yet I still can't you know, go to Washington. Really? I mean, you, so you're not going to be here when the Bills play because you know, you, you know that, well, you know Todd Beam, obviously, is he's Mr. Bill. Huge. Yeah, oh, the, we both are. The, 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 the communications director uh, uh, for, 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 the, for the Red Wings. And then, of course, yeah, and, and Lalone loves him too. Yeah, well, of course, he's an upstate New York boy. Yeah. Well, they could yeah, do I mean, it this year. They could actually. Brazier Falls is only like 15 minutes from my hometown. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know yeah, that close my hometown, the city I grew up in, in Livonia, um, is named after a city in upstate New York, Livonia, New York, which the residents, the, the Southeast Michigan, and I might have told you this before, was settled by people from upstate New York that migrated towards the Great Lakes and particularly Southeast Michigan. That's how Livonia got its name. That is a tidbit of information I did not know about. Right, and you know what? The Michigan accent, which I don't think we have, of course, but the Michigan accent is very much similar to an upstate New York accent because of the way Michigan was settled. There you go, Jimmy. So we sound the same. You know what? You know what, Art? With that tad tidbit of information, I'll be able to sleep like a baby tonight. Well, right. Well, no, you know, no. maybe you were destined to be here in Michigan. I mean, you've had most of your adult life. You spend more time in Michigan than anywhere else. Your children are from Michigan, but when yeah. they go back to upstate New this York to all... visit the family, they sound exactly like them. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Kill two birds with one stone. There you go. Exactly. Thank you very much. Exactly. Good luck to your bills because the Lions are never going to do it. But uh, uh, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I no. guess you still have hope. But uh, I, I hope so. I hope so for for the city, for all those Lions fans. I mean, let's be honest, Art. If they ever won the Super Bowl, this place would be turned inside out. Really, you, you know, you 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 know, I can. T- uh, it's a it's a football city through and through. I can remember really when, when Wayne when uh, when he was Wayne County Sheriff Benny Napoleon. I was doing an old sports doctor show with my uh, former radio partner Terry Foster, and I said, Benny, you know, if the Lions ever win the Super Bowl, you're going to have a parade in the middle of February in the dead of winter. You know, there could be there could be like a hundred inches of snow on the ground, and five or six million people are going to show up. <laughs> yeah, you for know, sure. You know, I mean, for yeah, sure. no doubt about it. I mean, if that team could do it, man, this t- this city because every other team has won a world championship. Red Wings mm-hmm. multiple times, so have the Pistons. 
You know, yeah. well, I guess in my lifetime, the Tigers have won a couple too. But, uh, you know, but the Lions, let's hope so. I'll tell you how old I am. The last time the Lions won the football championship, I was literally weeks old, Jimmy. I was like three weeks old, <laughs> you know, and that was it. They've won one playoff game in my lifetime. You know, I, maybe it, maybe it'll change. Maybe, hopefully, the football hopefully gods will smile on them. Hopefully it does. I because like I root for them still. I want them to see. I want to see the Lions do well because you know it brings people. You know the fans out here in Detroit. It brings them joy. Like I, you know, it's, yeah. It's it's it, it would be tough being a fan. It would be great. And you know, you know who's going to love our conversation on Lions is our producer Andrew Kristoff, better known as the Boss Man. Yeah. He lives and dies with the Honolulu Blue and Silver. I mean, you know, I he, just he, 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 oh, Kenny I Cal love too. for that organization to get old. oh Ken Cal, yeah. His I wonder what his lock of the week is this week. Man, is he given some bad ones over the years. There was one time, I don't know if you know this story, but years ago Kenny was walking uh uh, on the road, and he was walking, and I, you know, I'm not going to say the city because people will know who it was. But he's standing in a light to cross to get over to the arena, and he hears a, 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 a car horn honk. Guy rolls down the window and looks at him, and goes, "Hey, Cal, the Lions still suck." It's somebody he knew, obviously, uh, but who <laughs> and, and was laughing and drove away. <laughs> and Cal will never forget that. You know, I, and I, I just started laughing. You know, I mean, it, it's unfortunate. Uh, in a way, you know, they're like, uh, uh, up until recently, they're like Chicago's Cubs. You know, the Lions are, uh, are you know, kind of in that category. You know, the uh, the bumbling, lovable Lions, I guess. But uh, hopefully someday that, that will turn. All right. On that note, Jimmy, uh, I will be quiet. Go, go ahead. No, you're good. All right. All right. I thought I thought you might add something, but uh, again, Jimmy. Oh, thank I could you. add. I could add a great Ken Cal story, but I'll say. Oh no, 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 no. Oh no. Okay, now please add a Ken Cal story. Okay. Well, we were we were on the road. I'm not going to say the city, but uh, we just happened to be at the same restaurant, and these two these two guys, you know, recognized Ken, so they sat down and they joined him. I forget who Ken was with, but. Uh, Ken, you know, in his lovable way was just telling stories and everything like that. And I went in to use the washroom and the two guys that were sitting there chatting with Ken Cal walked into the stall next to me. And I could hear the guy go to his buddy, hey, man, you know, when Ken Cal talks, you listen. (laughs) I just just about fell over. I just about fell over. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, my gosh. That is fantastic. He's 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 a celebrity. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's uh. Yeah. You know. He's really. I mean. I I've known Ken forever. I mean. You know. I I. Uh. Yeah. I mean. When he was the Michigan hockey announcer. I mean. We go back a long, long way. Really. One. Really fine guy. I mean. Oh. Again. I mean. I feel again not to get you know on the. Uh, I I feel really fortunate. Even the people, the team that I've covered most of my life, the Red Wings and. And the people that I've worked with in the media all have been really great, and the Red Wing broadcasters have been fantastic, too. So, anyway, on that note, Jimmy, we will talk very, very soon. Thank you again for joining us on the Red and White Authority. Hey, thanks for having me once again, Art.